So, who's who's gone back to school? Did anybody go back to school this week? I see, I see sad faces back there. Yeah, we start. Kelly and I start school back tomorrow with orientation, and you know, it's kind of that lay down the law day. Don't turn your homework in late. Blah blah blah. All that dress code. My least favorite talk of the year. Dress code. Anyway, school starts tomorrow, and um, I'm looking forward to it, fresh new batch of students, and um, we talk in my class about clues. There's just clues to a living God everywhere. Um, We talk about this, this term, I won't bore you with the term, but there's term that means the need to have 100% airtight truth and proof, not truth, just proof that convinces me about everything and um, that that probably doesn't exist, but there are lots of clues. And what happens, those of you who love a good mystery, you just stack up the clues, right? And you see where they lead. And... Um, In our class, we talk about design and we talk about beauty, just a couple of the many clues we talk about. I was reading this week a a biochemist who's a Christian um, who talks about the the atheists he works with who, um, who are both confounded by design and frustrated by disease, which I completely understand. Like, these people are looking at the human body and, and um, at levels that my brain doesn't understand. And they're seeing things being with just such an appearance of design and things working together in harmony. And they're confounded by that. Then at the same time, they see bodies that have this propensity to failure <laughs> and falling apart and not working in harmony. So there's this balance that happens there where it's, Confounded amazement, maybe, and just frustration that disease comes along and ruins harmony. And why can't we figure out all the reasons for all the mess? And I, I think that's just a little picture or a big picture of how that's true everywhere, right? Like, if all the nuts and bolts and pieces and parts of your car are working in harmony together, you just go down the road and you don't think a thing about it. But oh, when that engine light comes on and says, you have disharmony somewhere in this thing. <laughs> this car is not working in unity in all of its parts, right? Uh-oh, unity lost, right? Um, when we talk about beauty and harmony in class, I talk about how you can see it everywhere. And oftentimes I will say, you know, like in a baseball game when the shortstop ranges to his right grabs the ball, turns, fires to second, second baseman fires to first, barely gets it. It's a beautifully well-turned double play. And then there's just beauty there and unity and harmony in how players work together. And many of those students stare at me like some of you are staring right now. But some of them are going, absolutely, Mr. Wood. I completely agree, right? And then the very next inning, the same shortstop throws it a mile over the first baseman's head into the stands. And you go, oh, that was not unity and harmony. That was disharmony. Um, It's everywhere. It's everywhere. 
when things and people work together and when things and people don't. It is built into nature. It's built into the things we build with our own hands and use on a daily basis, everything from your can opener to your laptop to your car. Harmony, disharmony, unity, disunity. One of the great testimonies of there is a creator and there was a fall. (laughs) Right? Right. And it's true in the church. We know how the church could work. We see the beauty when the church does work in harmony and unity, and it's a wonderful, beautiful thing. It's a joyful thing, but many of you in this room have experienced the heartbreak of when a church does not work that way, and when a church has disunity and disharmony, and the pieces are butting against each other and not working well together. And what happens every time people suffer for that? So today, we have a very short psalm. It's three verses. We'd be out of here in no time, right? It's, it's the beauty. It's a psalm of ascent. Where we, t- we take this on the road with us. Um, it's a psalm of ascent, and it's about the beauty of harmony and unity and why it is good and why it's worth fighting for. Now, I'm going to read this psalm. And as I read this psalm, I'm going to read your minds. It's a new thing I'm introducing this morning. Uh, I'm going to read your minds, and when I get through reading this psalm, I'm going to tell you exactly what you were thinking. Is everybody thinking about the psalm right now? Are you ready? Or are you still thinking about baseball? Okay, back here, this psalm. Ready? How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard and down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Okay, I'm going to tell you what you were thinking. You're thinking. You know, when I think about unity and harmony in the church, the first thing I think of is an oily beard. Weren't you? Weren't you? You were thinking that. I think about dew on a mountain in a city far away. Did I get it? Did I get it? That's what you were thinking. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Nobody thinks that way. Um, but it's good to learn to think that way. It's good to have pictures. And so here we have a song of a sense. It's a, it's a song of um, David. So this is an early one. This would have been prayed and sung together as they went up to the tabernacle and then all those many, 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 many years afterwards, all the way up to when there is no temple because it's been wiped out by Babylonians and you're coming back to nothing, all the way up to after the temple is rebuilt again, all the way up to 70 AD when it's wiped out again, right? Um, So this is an old original, if you will, Um, if you want to call it that, if they would have, you know, had this there. It's, it's a David one. It's a David psalm. Um, but what an interesting psalm to sing and pray together as you are on pilgrimage together, right? Picture the crowd growing the closer you get, and you sing and you pray together. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. 
So this is a group of people traveling together. They have a common destination, a common path for getting where they're going, a common God they worship, a common uh, Lord they will sacrifice to, they will give gratitude and praise to when they get there. So they travel in unity. And he describes it as good and pleasant, which sounds a little bit soft and squishy if you're a manly guy. Do I want something good and pleasant? But what if I told you the opposite was how awful and unpleasant when God's people can't stop fighting? How repulsive when God's people cannot get along? Then you go, okay, I'll take the good and pleasant, right? Like if I were to show you two plates of food... And one was described as good and pleasant and the other one was called repulsive. You would eat the good and pleasant food, wouldn't you? See, I know how you think, right? Um, we'll take good and pleasant. I like the word harmony. Harmony. This, this group is traveling together and they're traveling in harmony with a common faith, common destination. Now, we need to think about this for a minute. How many times, so you're walking this path, the crowd is growing as you go. Let's imagine you live further out. The crowd is growing as you go. You've got your family with you. Everybody else has got a family, let's say, and you're just all walking along. Um, There has to be some point in the journey, especially if you're the dad. I'm just going to talk to dads here for just a moment. Especially if you're the man, when you think to yourself, you know, this would have been much easier if I were by myself. Like that family we walked past 100 yards ago, if we stop, they will pass us up again. (laughs) Am I right, man? We can't stop. All those cars I passed up will pass me back up. No, no. I would get there faster alone. There would be fewer issues if I made this trip by myself. Yet that was never, ever the point. The entire point was a people, a people who were together. When God created human beings in general, down to when he created a distinct people for himself, it was always about the group and the community. And you're traveling together and you're not traveling alone. You can't send your family ahead on a plane or with an Uber. You're walking. That, that hit me this week as I was thinking about this. Do you realize that for the vast, vast, vast majority of human history, no one ever moved any faster than their feet could carry them? <laughs> it's as fast as you could go. There were, there were people who were born, lived, and died never going any faster than their feet. Maybe they knew somebody with a donkey that went a little faster than you could walk. You, your average person couldn't afford a horse. Maybe you saw a camel. I don't know. I don't know. It's just you're walking and you're in a group and everybody's talking and you're saying these prayers together. How delightfully good when brothers live together in harmony. And then David gives us a couple of likes, a couple of similes, a couple of word pictures to help us fully see what this is like. The first one is It's like oil on Aaron's head that runs down into his beard and down his robes and down, down it goes. See, at this point, unity sounds messy. (laughs) 
Who's going to clean this up, right? <laughs> Aaron's going to have to launder those clothes and clean out his beard, right? Um, this is Exodus 29. This is the priest, the priest being ordained. And sometimes in Scripture, oil is just oil, and you don't make a big deal out of it. And sometimes it's a, a symbol of the presence and the power of God for someone who's called and given an assignment. He had called and given Aaron an assignment. And the oil is something you see and you smell. You feel it. Aaron probably wouldn't let you run your fingers through his beard, but if you did, you'd feel the oil there. Okay, thank you. What does this have to do with unity? We could go through and read passages in Exodus, Leviticus, Let me read one. Exodus 30. Make these into a sacred anointing oil. He's talking about all the ingredients. A fragrant blend. The work of a perfumer. A perfumer. <laughs> so this is going to smell. So, so Aaron's got a smelly head and smelly beard and smelly clothing. Then use it to anoint the tent of meeting. The Ark of the Covenant law the table and all its articles, the lampstand and its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering, all its utensils, the basin with its stand, and you shall consecrate them so that they will be most holy and whatever touches them will be holy. Anoint Aaron and his sons and conquer, consecrate them so that they may serve me as priest. So this oil isn't just for Aaron. This, this oil is for all the furniture and the tent the furniture's in. And in turn, the temple later on that they're all in. And then Moses, it says, took up the oil, sprinkled it all around, and then poured it on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him, to set him apart for a job. Aaron had a job. What was everything about Aaron's clothing was about the fact that he had a job, but he had a job for a people. Aaron had a thingy on some might call it an apron with a breastplate, if you will. And all 12 tribes were engraved on that breastplate. When Aaron went in to do his priestly job, he took the tribes with him. So that oil running down his beard, running down his clothing, running over everything that represented that he was not doing this for himself. So harmony, good and pleasant, like that oil. It's from God to the priest for the people. There's nothing more harmonious than God choosing one person to represent a nation. We're all there with Aaron. However many thousands, thousands of us show up, the priest is representing us. It's funneling down to this one guy. So you can imagine these people are making, if you will, let's say it's the pilgrimage for Passover. And they know on this pilgrimage for Passover that there's going to be an anointed high priest who's going to take a sacrifice in for all of them. And their unity 
is as sweet and pleasant as the, as the anointing that comes down from God and goes over the head and down the beard and down the clothes. <clears throat> they're all together in their sin and they're all together in the sacrifice and the humility and the repentance and the faith and the joy of forgiveness and the praise. It's unity. <clears throat> we'll come back to it. But we need to talk about Herman. Mount Herman, that is. Picture number two. How good and pleasant is this unity? It's like the dew of Hermon. We're falling on Mount Zion. The dew of Hermon doesn't... Mount Zion is actually kind of a long ways from Mount Hermon. So we need to talk about this for a minute. Um, the northern boundary of Israel, Mount Hermon, it's the highest mountain around um, <clears throat> known for snow caps. If you're standing on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, where so much in your Gospels happened, if you're standing there and you look north, you see a snow-capped, enormous mountain. And you realize <clears throat> that all the water in this lake you're on came from that mountain. It's, it's why the water is so cold, right? And if you have a local, they'll tell you, yeah, Everybody between here and that mountain and everybody past this is fighting over who gets the water that comes off that mountain to this day, irrigating stuff, you know, and there's less and less water that makes it to its destination. Mount Hermon is super, super important. It gets 60 inches of precipitation a year. In comparison, Seattle gets 40 so Mount Hermon gets lots of precipitation, and it is said that if you go camping at Mount Hermon, there's so much dew on your tent when you wake up in the morning, you're, you're positive that there was a downpour and you didn't hear it. <laughs> so Jerusalem, much, much further south. But the idea of Mount Hermon's dew, listen, y'all, you should feel this right now. It's August in Texas, right? The idea of this cool, refreshing dew falling on these people of Jerusalem and on, the, the, on Jerusalem. It's like one of those close your eyes and imagine it sort of things. It's, it, it's, it's new and it's life-giving. Like when you go up to the, our farm in Crimes County right now, and the grass is just burnt to bits, which I hate on the one hand, but boy, that's a lot to mow, so it's kind of cool. But um, you know what? Even in these conditions where everything is crunchy, there's one area that I still have to mow. Actually, I don't have to mow it. I have to trim it. Do you know where that is? It's around the house because there's no gutters. And if it gets cool enough at night, the roof is covered in dew and it all runs down and it drips on the ground. So you got this world of brown and this circle of green. And I'm like, wow, you just have to be there, don't you? Just to annoy me so that I have to get the trim around and trim around the house. But it's nice to know that life is still happening. Something as simple as dew, right? Mount Hermon is not an exaggeration to say Mount Hermon gives life to a nation. 
It's like the unity of a people on pilgrimage to a place where God has chosen. It says, on Mount Zion, there the Lord bestows his blessing, life forevermore. And it's interesting God, God uses this idea of do. Isaiah 18.4, this is what the Lord says to me. I will remain quiet and will look on from my dwelling place like shimmering heat in the sunshine, like a cloud of dew in the heat of harvest. A cloud of dew in the heat of harvest. That was my twin brother. Yeah, but look at the word, there. There the Lord bestows his blessing. Not he just bestows decrees, demand, commands his blessing. Great is the Lord, most worthy of the praise, in the city of our God. You heard the music when I was walking up here. His holy mountain, beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth, like the heights of Zaphon is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. I've installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. So let's put this together. You go through the Psalms of Ascent, Mount Zion, where God dwells, where sacrifice and praise happen, where the king will come, where the son of David will come, where the king died to give this life forevermore. Who could have ever imagined that when you're just walking with your family on a pilgrimage? In the grand scheme of things, this is what the world had and what the world lost. Say it again. In the grand, in the in the story with a capital S story. This is what the world had and what the world lost. You go back to the Garden of Eden, everything's in harmony. People are in harmony with God. God is in harmony with Adam and Eve. Adam is in harmony with Eve. Eve is in harmony and unity with Adam. Adam and Eve are in harmony with nature. Nature is in harmony with them. Everything is in unity. It was a good and pleasant place. When the deceiver deceived them, when they disobeyed, disharmony entered. Suddenly, there was no unity between Adam and Eve. Adam's blaming Eve for everything Adam's blaming God, so there's no harmony there. Oh no, God's coming, hide. Cover up, you're naked. What are you doing? Put this fig leaf on, right? There's just disharmony, there's shame, there's fear, there's guilt. And even when God pronounces a curse, he says, guess what? The disharmony you have introduced now extends to creation itself because you're gonna go out to your garden and there's gonna be weeds and there's gonna be thorns and it's gonna fight against you. Disharmony is introduced into the world. When Jesus Christ comes, he is the greater Aaron. The final 
Aaron. You can read Hebrews. It's over and over again. All the priests entered in and offered these sacrifices continually. And before they entered in, they even offered a sacrifice for themselves because it was a sinner offering sacrifice for sinners. Jesus Christ came. He had no sacrifice for himself. He became the sacrifice. He was the great final high priest. And now he is our priest. And he brings redemption This is where the story is finally going. When you get to the end of the story, what is restored? Harmony. Harmony between between God and people and people and God. Unity between people and unity even with people in nature. Nature's going to work right again someday. You won't have crunchy grass in your yard in the New Jerusalem because it's going to have a proper amount of rain. Probably won't have a sprinkler system either. Um, that's where it's going. It started in harmony. It's going to end in harmony. We have a, a priest, right, who's, who's bringing, introducing harmony back in. So you can see why this is worth fighting for. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I know it would be much easier to make the trip alone. right but you're part of the church whether you like it or not you're part of a family you're part of a body whether you like it or not you were not made for alone but you were made for harmony and harmony starts in the heart and works its way out let me read just a few verses as we wrap up I will remain in the world no longer this is Jesus talking to his disciples John 17 11 and he's praying actually to the Father for the disciples. And he's saying, Father, I'm, I'm, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. I'm leaving them. I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Like the great prayer Jesus has for his followers is unity. And it's going to take the power of God to make it happen. But listen to some of the descriptions. There are many. I narrowed it down to three. Romans 12.10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Hebrews 13.1. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Here's a big one. Ephesians 4.1-3. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So this outward unity among God's people starts in the hearts of God's people. Let me, I put, I put together the list. I took them all from those, just those three verses. And I'm going to go through the heart work of unity and I want you to think about each one of them like oh yeah, that's the one I need to work on. That's the one I need to pray for. This is the heart of unity. You're devoted to one another. You love one another. You esteem others above yourself. You're humble. You're gentle. You're meek. You're patient and slow to anger. You bear with one another out of love. 
Any of those land on you? Because they do me, right? But when it happens, it is good and pleasant because it's, it's happening the way it is designed to happen. It is only sin that enters in. When James says, why are there fights and quarrels among you? He makes us all sound like fifth graders. He's talking to the church of adults, and he says, why are there fights and quarrels among you? Why is there disharmony and disunity? Because you want and you do not get. (laughs) Because you say, mine, I want it. It's like we never stop stomping our feet and we lose the heart of esteeming others above ourselves, of loving one another, of being gentle and patient. I mean, bearing one another. We can do that, can't we? I mean, that even sounds like God's giving us a little slack. It's almost like he used the word tolerate, right? It's a good word, right? Got two new elders coming on next week. It would be good. Um, if you prayed for unity and harmony among the elders, right? But the universe is heading somewhere. And I'm going to finish with this verse because this is beautiful. Ephesians 1, 7 through 10. In him, that is Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Lavished, not apportioned in thimblefuls, lavished. Grace, you want grace? Here's grace. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. So there's, there's this mysterious will of God, and in Christ he reveals what that is. To be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. And here it is, you ready? to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. That's where the universe is going. The universe is heading towards a day when everything is in harmony, everything is in beautiful, good, pleasant, delightful harmony under the headship of Jesus Christ. If that's where the story is going, it would be absolutely tragic if we did not labor and pray to see the story looking like that in the earlier chapters where we live, right? (laughs) Yeah. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for being our priest. And we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize or empathize with us. You're tempted as we are, so you knew what it was like to move at the speed of walking with a group of people that you were teaching. And you know what it was like after three years of teaching these men that a couple of them say, hey, let me and my brother sit on your right and your left. Jesus, how you managed to just not be sighing and rolling your eyes all the time is beyond me, but we're amazed. We're amazed that you know what it's like to move slowly through this world. You know what it's like to love others, to be devoted Would you work that into our hearts to give us a sense of we're on the same path, heading the same direction with the same Savior, 
believing the same things about that Savior. United around your word, united around being in this place at this time for a reason. Help us to travel well together. We look forward to the days of harmony. We're going to be amazed when we see it all working together the way you designed it to. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be amazing. It can be beautiful now. Would you work it into our hearts and in our actions and our words, how we treat each other, Lord, and how we live on purpose together. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen, y'all. Have a great week and a great Sunday. You've been listening to Sunday Morning at Creekside Church in Spring, Texas. We're glad you joined us. For more information, please check out our website at www.mycreeksidechurch.org.